Cup of Cubby Blue, you're, the Cubs have now been swept in back-to-back series home. So it's much more like it was before we won all those series back-to-back for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you find us and like us, leave a five-star review so other people can find us and maybe like us too. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about the all-star matchups. I write about the fact that the Blue Jays have like are, have like the easiest schedule in Canada ever because nobody can go to Canada. And we're going to talk about that later at Bleed Cubby Blue and more. But first, I need to introduce my co-host, Danny Rocket is back and we are fired up to talk about, well, I don't know. Are we yeah, fired, fired up? up yeah. Fired up might be the wrong word. How's it going, Danny? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was doing better last week when we spoke at this time. We had just won, what, four series in a row? And we're like, huh, maybe cool. just, this isn't so bad. And then they just rattle off a million losses, and you're like, oh, oh, right. <laughs> so it's uh, it's going fine. It's, it's, it's I mean, it, I'm just trying to look at – look for things to be excited about, you know, to get fired up about, as you'd say, like Christopher Morrell triples, which is pretty much the only thing that happened yesterday. That was any good that I'd like wake up. and am like, Oh, the Cubs I'm like, Oh, Morrell triple. That was nice. <laughs> Surprised he didn't get waved in by waving in Willie. But yeah, right. Uh, I did like that triple. That triple was great. I also liked that Justin Steele battled back after a rough start, but I really wish the rough start hadn't happened. Yeah, he's got to be. All of them are. I mean, we're the kids out there are throwing way more innings than anyone thought they would. Let's just jump right into it. I want to start by saying the Orioles are way better than I thought they were before we played them a couple of times. Once out in Baltimore, two games now here in Chicago. I am relatively certain that if the Baltimore Orioles played in either the AL Central or the NL Central instead of that absolute gauntlet that is the NL or the AL East, uh, they would win those divisions. And I think they might win those divisions by a lot. The Orioles are better than the Brewers and the Cardinals. And we've seen a bunch of the Brewers and the Cardinals. Like I just, what a bummer that they have that juggernaut of a division to fight against. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if they're playing... Uh, over their skis right now because of the division too, like because of who they are, like the underdog in the toughest of all divisions, they become an afterthought for those teams who've just been able to roll over them year after year after year to like the tune of 110 losses or something. Um, I don't know if it was that much, but it was close. And it's, you know, right now, I think you got a couple of things going on. It's like, this is kind of proof that the sum of a team's parts can be greater than the individual performances because this team, if you look statistically at their group numbers, they're pretty average, but they're finding ways to score runs and win baseball games. It's one of those things where if like, you know, the pitching's off, then the hitting will be on and they all pick each other up and they seem to love each other a whole lot. And they've now won 10 straight, that which they haven't done since before 2005. Um, every single win is is becoming, hasn't done since right now. And they're going to sniff out a wild card spot. And I'll be honest, I'm rooting for them. Like, this is a fun group. And the fact that, I mean, they're not the Rays. They have their mix of uh, kind of some veteran 
know-how, bunch of waiver wire dudes. Like this is a team stuck together with prospects and bubblegum and and cracker jacks, and it's somehow greater than the sum of its parts. Look up and down their batting averages. Mullins, 261, Mancini, 281, Santander, 244. They're all in the twos. You know, low twos at the end of the order. O- Odor's 201. Mateo, 202. But they're scoring runs and they're getting it done. There's not a single OPS in this starting lineup over 800. That's wild. I mean, yeah. the other, the, the rotation is really interesting to me too. It's got a bunch of guys. I mean, Jordan Lyles. So, you know, I play some a lot of fantasy baseball. Jordan Lyles is one of those guys that in almost every 12-team league that I play in, he's just sitting out there. You can go get him right now. And I, I'm kind of like, Maybe I should pick this guy up. He looks fine. Like he throws a bunch of innings. He gets a he gets about a strikeout per nine, you know, like or, or strikeout per inning. Like he's doing a pretty good job. And and he just kind of seems to be locked in and dealing and getting done for his team what he needs to get done. And frankly, I mean, he looked really good against the Cubs. The Cubs couldn't do much of anything against Jordan Lyles. So I don't know. I think this is a fun team. I would love to see them give one of those the Rays or the Blue Jays or not the Red Sox. I like the Red Sox. They're my AL team. But one of those <laughs> other teams that's fighting it out for a wild card, give them a run for their money and then have the Orioles like beat the Yankees in the wild card division or something. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, look at the Braves last year. They were a wild card team and and they were able to, uh, right? Yeah, they were. Yeah. I think, yeah. So, I mean, and this happens. I mean, look at the Marlins. They're, they, Pat Hughes was pointing this out on the radio last night that the Marlins are the only team to have won two World Series and never won the division. Dude, Pat Hughes was so good last night. So I was at the game. I, was, I went to watch in uh, 204 because I knew the full moon was going to rise over Wrigley. And, I, you know, I just want to see as much of Wilson Contreras as I can while I still can. And I... I was listening to Pat Hughes while I scored the game and just watched it. And that's always a little bit, you know, you're about a batter behind when you do that, but you get to hear Pat Hughes and he was just, he was an A plus form last night. There was a conversation about tattoos that frankly, all time, great hall of fame, baseball, call of baseball conversation, get that man a Frick award and get him in the hall of fame. He's perfect. Yeah. What's going on? Like that. He, I mean, he should be in there uh, right before Hawk Harrelson. Oh my God. I'm still mad about that. But yeah, I'd heard him saying tatted up <laughs> a bunch. That's so great. Um, and then uh, of course, Zach Zaidman was cackling, which then I thought to myself, I'm like, Zach, a Zach Zaidman cackle is, should be called a Zackle. <laughs> I'm just thinking of things. I'm, I'm, I was hanging up pictures, which kept falling off the wall and just thinking of crazy stuff like that. But that was prime radio. Pri- I mean, it was so good. I uh, We're so spoiled with Pat. We really are. I was uh, saying on Twitter, I think Pat Hughes is my Vecna song. Have you watched Stranger Things? No, I don't. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, we don't need to talk about it. No spoilers here. I would never spoil Stranger Things for anyone, but Pat Hughes is my Vecna song. And if you get it, you know exactly what that means. Let's jump into these Orioles games. Um, so the Cubs lost both of them. Spoiler alert. Uh, the first one, they lost four to two. Adrian Sampson looked good. He was not good enough. The Orioles were just a little bit better. And frankly, the Cubs could not do anything against the back end of the Orioles bullpen. They just couldn't get it going. Look, man, I... Ian Happ hit a home run. That was cool. Nico continues to hit. That was also cool. Adrian Sampson has been better than he has any right to be in this lineup as like the ninth starter who keeps having to throw games because everybody is hurt. 
and the Cubs lost four to two. It, it, this, if I were to go back and look at all of the wins and losses and things that have happened this season, this might be the one that most epitomizes this team to me. Ah, tried lots of guys out there, kind of did an okay job, couldn't really do it. They were just better. Yeah. yeah I mean, out hit eight to seven, outscored four to two, each team with an error. Uh, and their, their uh, pickup does great. Our pickup does pretty well, but not as well as their guy. It's exactly like you said. But for Jordan Lyles to go seven innings, of two runs, seven hit ball. Now the Cubs had a few opportunities that they squandered in this one, but but every team does. You know, you're not going to always cash them in. They went one for nine with runners in scoring position. They hit one more home run with than us, and that was pretty much the difference. And so, uh, yeah, it's just like it's that was frustrating. I, we had great seats to this one too. We were right down front to watch this boring game because it was dull and it, um, you, you know, the Cubs could really could never get anything going after that half homer. Um, so it was Crawley's birthday, <laughs> but one funny thing that happened during this game, I don't know if you caught this, but it was, uh, Mateo's Homer. No, Urias's Homer. I did goes, see this. Yeah. You gotta, you yeah. gotta share. Okay. So it goes to the back of the bleachers. Some guy gets it and a friend of ours, Bob runs over and because uh, a lot of times and uh, maybe people know this, maybe they don't. But a lot of times when you have an opposing team's homer, they'll switch out the ball for a different ball and throw the non home run ball back in the tradition of Wrigley Field of throwing the ball back. Well, this switcheroo got caught on the big board and they showed it for the entire ballpark. Bob running over switcherooing with the ball and then the other ball coming back. And so it's just like, if there was a secret before the secret is gone <laughs> because it was shown to 40, no, what was the 30, 31,000. They, they claimed it was yeah. 31,000 something uh, or other. I, I think it was probably closer to 25, but yeah, I saw that chance like uh wait way to keep it discreet out there guys good job yeah, just everybody just bobble. saw the exchange because he ran over like it was so obvious it's like who's this running bearded man and he runs over and he just does the switch through and then the other ball comes back and personally i think that's cheating if you're gonna have a tradition you got to keep it gully and you throw back the actual ball i don't even care if it's you know somebody's like 86th home run of the season, you know, breaking the all-time record. I don't care. It's Wrigley Field. It's just a baseball. Throw it back. That's my I, opinion. No, I agree. I think that if the tradition is that we throw back opposing teams' home runs, then you throw back opposing teams' home runs. Yeah. You don't throw back a fake ball. I thought the funnier part of this is that the guy, so the guy took the fake ball from Bob and threw it back. And then afterwards we're hanging out at Ballhawk Corner and Bob comes and tells us that he got the ball. Like he, he kept it. Yeah. he. So Bob wound up with the home run ball and the other guy, the other guy wound up with nothing. He just like, got, he took like the way this is supposed to work is he takes the fake ball, throws it back and then keeps the home run ball. And instead he gave Bob the home run ball. So like, Bob didn't even catch the ball and he ends up with a gamer, which is. Did I, he give Bob the home run ball or did Bob steal the home run ball? That's what <laughs> I really Gotta know here. There's something fishy up, but it's, but yeah, Bob's got it though. Not that it's, I mean, it's just a baseball, but those guys are all into that stuff. So I'm not gonna, um, 
you know, poo-poo on anybody's I'm never going to catch a gamer. Like, I, I mean, I guess I could one of no. these days. We hang out in the right spot to do it in left field, but frankly. But there's other people way more intensely going for that baseball yeah, than you and I are. I would, the ball would literally have to come directly to me, land in my lap, and somehow nobody gets in a scrum because it's in my lap for me to get yeah. that ball. Like, I, and I'm aware of that. I'm not looking to, like, I'm not looking to elbow out Bleacher Jeff and my tie guy and all the kids to get a baseball. It's, it's yours, Pete. It's yours, people. I got my one baseball. One time Xander Bogarts threw me a baseball at a White Sox game and there were no kids around. So I didn't have to give it away. And I was like, this is mine. This is my baseball that Xander Bogarts threw me. And that's it. I'm happy. That's it. At period of story, I could die happy. I can die happy. I have a baseball for one of my favorite players. Uh, I got a foul ball once, but that's not really exciting. Nobody cares. It was 2014. I don't even know who hit it. <laughs> I think it's exciting if it like lands in your beer and then you get to like chug, chug your beer on camera yeah. or something. That's exciting. It's also exciting. And I would love to do this sometime with a foul ball because I do sit in places where I could catch a foul ball someday. It would be cool to be the girl that like just reaches up and bare hand catches the ball and just like everybody's like, whoa, she bare hand stacked the foul, you know, like that would be cool. But I would probably just give that away to a kid at this point now that I have my Xander ball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, all, I give all my balls to my tie guy. He seems to to enjoy them. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, we're going to leave that one just hanging out there. Game two was a much worse game for the Cubs. 7-1 loss. Uh, they had no chance in this game after Justin Steele kind of got roughed up in the first inning. I swear to God, this game was like 2 nothing, 3 nothing before I got to my seat. I was like, I was like, whoa, I, I can't even, I can't even keep up. Um, Steele got better as the start went on. And that was great from his, a development standpoint. Like it shows a lot of what, who Justin Steele will be in the future as a pitcher. And he still took the L in this one. Yeah. Well, the offense didn't do anything again. I mean, so that, that never helps. Uh, but yeah, it, it got off to a pretty bad start and then they really piled on at the end. It was, I kind of made a joke, you know, because, uh, Chris Martin had a rough outing, couldn't finish the inning and give up two runs, two hits. Uh, and, uh, so then Ross comes in and D Daniel Norris had just been activated from the IL. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, Oh, this'll fix it. <laughs> Daniel yeah. Norris coming in. This'll be. This will be magical with runners on, and it, and it and it wasn't. It wasn't magical. Um, it was it was terrible. Uh, Wick did give up a hit. I'm I'm kind of on Wick watch right now. Wick watch. <laughs> um, two strikeouts. So a little maybe a bit of a bounce back for him. Outing. I I'm just looking at some positive stuff. I, I mean. This game was close until and it wasn't close, but it was four to one. And you're like, oh, maybe they could. And then the three run eighth just kind of put it away. Um, Morel hit a triple. That was exciting. The Morel <laughs> triple all. was great. Uh, that was a nice piece of hitting by Christopher Morel. He kind of hit it into the well over there and ran super hard. And Willie Harris was smart enough to hold him up at third. I was also a little concerned. That I was like, oh, man, Willie, don't wave him home. <laughs> he, he, he gets excited. He, he gets too get excited. excited. I love Willie Harris. I also, he, he waves guys home a lot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, anything else we want to say about this game? I mean, the, the, all the guys in the back. So you know how last season the Cubs had all these one year contract guys and they all shoved and then they turned into prospects like Andrew Chafin and Ryan Tapera. Yeah, we don't have those guys this year. Yeah, <laughs> like Chris Martin, trade value dropping. David Robertson, trade value dropping. Daniel Norris, trade value dropping. It's kind of one of those situations where, I, like, I heard uh, Bruce Levine 
on the pregame show yesterday before I walked over to the park, park talking about how, well, maybe they should just keep David Robertson because he's such a good influence in the bullpen back there to teach guys about how to be bullpen guys. And I was like, oh, my God, what even is going on with this team right now? Uh, Yeah, no, it's it. Yeah, but the Orioles have those guys. They did manage to pick up those one year dudes and waiver wire guys and have them uh, basically not be a great bullpen, but a bullpen that can get it done better than anybody we got. So, yeah, it's it's rough. Um, Yeah, we're going to be stuck with them all year. We're going to be stuck with these guys. Yeah. Yeah, because nobody's going to want them. Like, we'll give you a bag (laughs) of balls for Chris Martin at the. The one thing I do want to shout out here, it was lovely to see uh, former Cubs coach Brandon Hyde, who is the manager of the Orioles, doing such a nice job with this young team that is, I think, exciting. I like the Orioles. I kind of want to see the Orioles play spoiler in the AL East. They've got a 10-game winning streak. Now that they're no longer playing the Cubs, Godspeed, and I hope your winning streak continues forever. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to catch the Yankees. It's probably even too late for that, but... um... Yeah, they're they're um, I, I want them to be in the wild card and, and I want them to take over the division eventually because it's it. But it, this seems like a lightning in a bottle situation. So they're a 500 team for the Orioles. That's a big deal. Totally. Uh, they're only two games back of the Blue Jays and the Red Sox right now. And that seems like a thing, you know, either one of those two teams could falter. I think the Red Sox are in a, in a better position there. They. Uh, have Chris Sale and Garrett Whitlock coming back from the injured list. They have Nathan Avaldi coming back from the injured list. The Red Sox look kind of poised to go on a run to me, but the Blue Jays do not. They actually just fired their manager, Charlie Montoyo, which I, I did not see coming. I don't think a lot of people saw coming. What did you think about the Blue Jays firing their manager for being in checks notes, a wild card spot, but not a good enough wild card spot? I mean, they, I feel like they feel like they've underperformed. And I'm not sure why they feel that way um, because they've got a good team. They play in a tough division. I mean, you never know. There could be some behind the scenes stuff that we don't know about that's going on. Like some sort of, I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't follow the blue Jays enough to really know the inner workings of their day to day kind of, uh, you know, operations, but maybe they don't, the front office is button heads about the batting order. Cause you got all these analytics dudes in there and maybe Montoya is like, ah, I'm not doing that. Like I'm the manager. I got a hunch. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, we're not doing hunches. We're, uh, we're doing it. We're doing it by the book. I will say, and, and I, I alluded know. to this in the intro. Uh, if I were in the front office for the blue Jays, the thing that would concern me is that they're, 47 and 42 that is pretty substantially underperforming what they should be doing right now with the hitting talent that they have in particular and they've got some great pitchers over there Alec Manoa is really interesting young arm um the the thing that I am I would be concerned about they play in the Rogers Center which means that anytime a team goes to play them at home any unvaccinated players have to stay in the States. And we have seen this happen a few times now, right? Like you can't like Tanner Hout can't go when the Red Sox go play. So, you know, and he just like goes on the restricted list. So everybody knows Tanner Hout doesn't have, hasn't been vaccinated. And that's why the Red Sox closer isn't going to play in the Rogers center. The one that blew my mind this week. And I do want to talk about this a little bit because this is kind of out of control was the Kansas city Royals are headed over to play in Canada. And I got to pull up this list because frankly, 
I it's a long list and I cannot do it uh, off of memory. The Kansas City Royals will be without all of the following players when they go to Toronto. Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benintendi, Hunter Dozier, Cam Gallagher, MJ Melendez, Brady Singer, Brad Keller, Kyle Isbell, Michael A. Taylor, and Dylan Coleman. What on earth is going like they're gonna play a double A and triple A team against the Blue Jays in Canada because like 10 of their 26 players are on the restricted list because of vaccination status. That should be an advantage for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays should have a better record than they do That's right true. now. That's right? true. Uh, yeah, considering they're playing the Omaha Storm Chasers this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I would say that they should. And so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's like they're like, Charlie, you don't play the you don't play these uh, vaccinated kids well enough. <laughs> you got to you got to beat these triple A guys. Um, yeah, I, it's that is kind of bananas at this point that there would be that many people. I, are you going to just end up with these teams that are vaccinated and unvaccinated? Like Kansas City's like, yeah, we don't care. Isn't that the isn't that the team that like banned porn or something like what what did they do they I don't know Danny I, I missed this news cycle yeah I'm not, yeah I'm not on that some, beat yeah there was some of like that you know they had like some guy come in and talk to all the players and like really like put this morality shove a bunch of morality down their throat or something I forget what that was but then apparently they're unvaccinated too and so maybe that's it like give us your tired your poor your uh, triple a waiver wire guys that are unvaccinated and they're all playing Kansas city. It's just the weirdest thing. You would think it would be an NL team who doesn't play in Canada barely at all. Right. Yeah. You would not think it would be an AL team. That's like, Hey, yo, we know we need to go to Canada. I mean, you know, in former Cubs news and notes here, I believe Anthony Rizzo did go play in Canada, which means that he got vaccinated since the time he was with the Cubs, probably because he knew that the optics of being the first baseman and one of the leaders in the Yankees clubhouse for the best team in baseball, not going to play a division rival because of a shot was bad, right? Like I have to imagine Rizzo was like, yeah, that's a bad look. Well, he had an off season to finish his research. He was just just he was in his little lab coat all off season with his beakers <laughs> watching well, YouTube. <laughs> this this did inspire quite the round of Twitter jokes, and I want to share one of them. Dan Zimbroski over at uh Fangrass wrote, unfortunately for Rockies fans, there are no vaccination obstacles that would result in the entire team's roster not being able to play <laughs> baseball. So you are stuck watching all of the Rockies all of the time. Oh man. I kind of wish the Cubs were playing up they there do. just so we at the end oh, of August, at the end oh. of August, there's a three game series and we will have a list of all the Cubs who are vaccinated and unvaccinated, at least all the Cubs oh, who are left. Sweet. That's after the trade deadline. So uh, we're going to get so disappointed. We're going to find out like a, our new favorite guy, Christopher Morrell, hasn't had the vaccine. We're like, no, not no, you. No, no don't. I, we don't. No, he's, he's, I bet. He, I bet he's good. I bet he's good. Yeah. Well, uh, the I, minor league guys, <laughs> I think, had to do it. I, I'm I'm betting that a lot of the guys who were in double and triple A just did it because they they knew that it would be a mark against them if they to ever get called up if they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that against hippo law? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know all the I don't know all the health <laughs> policy rules and regulations here, but I do know that the Blue Jays should probably be have a better record since they don't play complete major league rosters or maybe that's why they don't have a better record maybe they have really good scouting reports on all the mlb guys but they don't know anything about the triple a guys and so when the triple a guys come up they're like ah we don't know that what to can do. happen who knows that could be i mean 
It's, I mean, look, we get carved up by guys we don't see regularly yep. all, all the time, you know? So, I mean, this just, that just happened last night. In fact, <laughs> Cubs had never, you know, I mean, Cubs had never seen that guy and uh, it didn't go well. So, but that, that's wild. And it's, it is kind of wild that there's the two different laws and really, I mean, at this point there, I mean, there are not conflict. I mean, everybody should get the vaccine. That's true. Uh, uh, for the safety of everybody, but it's funny that just, I mean, just the patchwork system of laws that are around, um, don't necessarily reflect the real dangers and, or are they, um, are we nimble enough to react to new information? So you got BA five rolling around now. American players might be like, I don't, it doesn't matter. COVID's over, blah, blah, blah. Well, then BA5 actually shows a little bit more. Um, a, it can go around the vaccine eat much easier. Um, but B, it's a tougher disease than your original, when then your Omicron, everybody just kind of fluffed off. So I know that we're in a place right now that people are feeling a little complacent. But honestly, this thing's still out there and there's still 300 American deaths a day. And there's, you know, and that's with COVID or, you know, maybe they got COVID in the house. We don't, there's all sorts of reasons that this is going on, but it's still very real and it's still very much a changing situation on the ground. So this, maybe Canada's right to be doing it the way they are. And maybe we're, we're just going to screw this up again. I don't know. Yeah, we it's will interesting find, to know. We we will find out when the Cubs uh, play in Canada at the end of August. We're going to take a quick break here. On the flip side, we will be talking a little bit about the All Star Game. Dylan C still not in it for hashtag reasons. I don't understand what is going on there. We will also look ahead to a four game series where the Cubs welcome yet another first place team into Wrigley Field, where they will play the New York Mets, uh, who are rejuvenated with Max Scherzer. Um, showing up to to face down this Cub squad. I don't know how this is going to go, but we will talk about it on the flip side. First, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we are back. Um, what does Dylan Cease have to do to get in the All-Star game? I don't under, did he upset somebody? I don't understand what's going on here. It must be the mustache. They're jealous of his style. and <laughs> They don't want him showing up people. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, it, it does lead the majors in walks. <laughs> Maybe they're like, ah, we can't have that. Pretty sure he also leads them in strikeout the strikeouts, though. We didn't lead him, but he's got 142 in 97.2 innings, so he's probably pretty close. Um, I don't know. He's been very good. 13.1 strikeouts per nine. Actually, that is tops in the majors. Uh, strikeouts per nine, just that the numbers different. As a starter. Yeah. Uh. So I mean, yeah. I don't understand. Maybe. I don't know, maybe he doesn't want to go and they already knew that. So they're not going to go through the whole pomp and circumstance of no, naming him. Guy. And He wants to go. Are you kidding? He's a young guy. Like he's probably like Ian Happ over there. Like they were playing. Hey, now you're an all-star for Ian Happ on the organ when he was at the plate yesterday. And I thought it was so great. Uh, and Dylan, you know, if you're like a newish pitcher in the league, of course you want to go. He's eight and four, throwing 97.2 innings. He's got an ERA of 2.3, an expected ERA of 2.68, and a FIP of 2.74. Put the kid in the All-Star game. What are you doing over there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's It's it's definitely a snub at this point. But uh, once again, there could be some behind-the-scenes kind of thing. 
I miss Dylan Cease. I wish he was on our team. <laughs> indeed. indeed. Uh, I, I, you know, um, speaking of that particular trade, I, I miss Dylan Cease as well. Aloy Jimenez got hurt again yesterday. Mm. He's been back for approximately six days. And I think that I can, can Tony LaRusa stop asking Eloy Jimenez to play in the outfield, please? I am begging you like, just let him hit and trot around the bases. That's all he should do in a baseball game ever. You have a DH for a reason. Stop hurting Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the knock on this kid. He's had trouble staying on the field and it's, it's pretty sad because uh seems like a good guy and I think could be a, a big fan favorite. Don't they call him like big baby or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. I don't, I don't know. Actually, that sounds right though. There's something like, yeah, but um, yeah, he just you know, was big, big smile on his face. It's gotta be frustrating for him. It's very sad. On the other, on the other hand, I, anything that bad that happens to the White Sox, I never really get too sad about, but um, just because they're so insufferably terrible um, about our fan base, uh, they can never keep the Cubs out of their Cubs. I mean, I was at their playoff game and they were saying like, they were like Cubs suck. I, I was hearing that in the bathroom and I was like, dude, we're at home. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you bad mouthing the Cubs? You're literally in a playoff game that we're not in. So <laughs> what are you doing? So, but it's very sad. Poor Eloy. Yeah, we're pulling for you over here, Eloy. Get back on the field. Uh, the game is better when you are hitting in it. Let's talk about this upcoming series. The Cubs will welcome the Mets to Wrigley Field. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about this series. I've had it marked on my calendar for a while now. A bunch of my friends who are Mets podcasters and Mets Twitter type are headed over to Wrigley Field for this particular show. And in fact, we will have a special um, Cup of Cubby Blue after this series where some of the ladies from a pot of their own will let us know what they thought of Wrigley because they're coming for the first time. And that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, Danny, what are you looking forward to with this Mets series before we jump into some pictures and numbers and stuff? Well, I can't say I'm looking forward to any of it, to be honest. Like it's it's gonna be tough. And there's another first place team coming in. Uh, we it reminds me of playing the Dodgers or the Yankees or one of those teams that we've seen uh, in the recent days. They are playing well. They just beat Atlanta in a in a tough series. Tough series. They beat them two or three, and they're only two and a half games up in the East, so they've got pressure on their back. They were ten games up a month ago. And that lead evaporated by playing 500 ball, because if you remember the Atlanta Braves won 14 in a row in a row, and then they played us and lost two or three. So I'm kind of hoping that that happens. That's the best case scenario is that like they're playing um, that the Mets would kind of play down to us because they just had a tough series with Atlanta and they're on the road and they play over 500 on the road, but they're only seven over or um, something like that, seven or eight over. Uh, where, I don't know if they played in Atlanta the other day, but they're playing for it, and they've got a good team. They've the, the, Here's the thing, though. The Cubs have hit more home runs than the Mets. Um, they uh, have hit more triples and doubles, and the Cubs have more stolen bases. They lead the Mets in a lot of – Offensive categories, which happens a lot. We led the Orioles in a lot of offensive categories. The The difference is both those teams score more runs than us. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like why? I mean, that's the two plans. I mean, how many? There's got to be at least 10 runs lost in two plans. So, I mean, 
it's it's going to be a tough team. They've got uh, great starting pitching, n- nearly a run better than the Cubs. They've got a, a top ten bullpen. So I'm so yeah. yeah, not not looking forward to facing this team, but they're they got good players. We're going to see Scherzer. I mean, they got they've got guys having good years like Taiwan Walker and uh, yeah, I mean. I'm going to that Scherzer game because the last time I was at a, a game that Max Scherzer started at Wrigley, David Bodie hit a walk-off grand slam and it was pretty incredible. I don't expect that to be the result Saturday, but you know, I got, I got to keep my Max Scherzer uh, went like the Cubs beating Max Scherzer streak going. Uh, speaking of some pitchers, the Cubs will throw Keegan Thompson, Marcus Stroman, Drew Smiley and Adrian Sampson in this series. And I just want to take a second to commemorate the fact that there is no TBD in this four game series. For, for one time, at least, the Cubs are go- have four guys and they know who is going to start each of these games well in advance. Congratulations, Cubs. This is a monumentous occasion in this year of our Lord, 2022. The Mets will <laughs> counter with Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, Max Scherzer, and uh, David Peterson. What do we think about these pitching matchups? Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, Carrasco is, tonight is your best shot. You got Keegan on the mound. Uh, he's pitched really well. Uh, he's five. He, he pitched well against the Dodgers too. One run on two hits, eight Ks. So Carlos Carrasco had a pretty rough June, but his last two outings have been really good. So then you got Taiwan Walker, who's having a great year, two sixty three ERA. It's bucket hat day too. So look look for that to be a fun one. Everybody loves those bucket hats. And then uh, Scherzer, well, we already know he's tough. And then uh, David Peterson is also having a pretty good year, five and two with the three forty eight, and um, he pitched really well against Atlanta last time. He had nine strikeouts through five point one. So um, you look at Smiley; you're hoping he bounces back because it has he's been hurt, and then it, last time it was terrible. Um, Samson. You know, he gives you what we already talked about him, what he'll give you, which is, I mean, if he'll give you what he gave you this last time, then you're going to be happy. Stro, you hope he keep continues to build on his last good outing against the Dodgers. And um, yeah, I mean, I think our best shot, though, is probably tonight against Carrasco, at least as far as scoring runs. Well, I would also like to see the Cubs just end the six game losing streak. Six ga- A six game skid is right about the point where you start to feel like, oh man, we've lost six games in a row. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you lose three games in a row. It's like, oh, that sucks. You lose four games in a row. You're like, okay, well, that's just a long series. But all of a sudden you lose six games in a row. It's across two series. It's back-to-back sweeps. It like starts to get into your head a little bit. I would like to see them cut this off early because I feel like if they don't win tonight, there's a very yeah. real chance that they go into the all-star break having lost 10 in a row. And that's a much different beast than having lost six in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I predicted was going to happen on the Sun Ranto show the other night. <laughs> and, Ever the um, optimist, Danny. Ever the optimist. <laughs> well, I'm just, I mean, I'm just trying to be realistic here. Like, I wonder, like, and this is odds aside, what I bet on it, you know, and I don't think I would bet the Cubs on any of these games. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I would not put 10 bucks on the Cubs unless, I mean, unless there was like serious money given to you, like serious odds in your favor. Um, you know, it's just, it looks like, um, 
Looks like a, a rough series. This team, though, they they played bad teams or good teams well, like the Braves, the Cardinals. I don't know if the Cardinals are a good team, but the Braves are. And I don't know if it's playing down or up to the competition. The Cardinals, we shall see. The Cardinals think they're a good team. I tweeted my thing about like thinking the Orioles would win the NL Central if they were in our division and had a couple of salty Cardinals fans in my mentions pointing out that the Cardinals have a much better record than the Orioles. And I was like, yes, doofus. That is, that is the us. point. The point is that you get to play the Cubs and the Pirates and the Reds and the poor Orioles have to play the Red Sox and the Rays and the Blue Jays. And frankly, one of those things is harder than the other. Yeah. And that is one interesting thing about having a more balanced schedule next year, although I'm against it. <laughs> it will it will fix the problem we are talking about at the expense of those division races being a little bit downplayed. I agree with that. Let's talk about some hot hitters on these teams for the Mets. Uh, and again, this is uh, just from the start of June. So we're looking at about six weeks of data here. Um, you had to have at least 40 plate appearances to make the list. Pete Alonso has a WRC plus of 141. Jeff McNeil has a WRC plus of 135. Starling Marte is at 132. Brandon Nimmo is at 128. Luis Guillaume is at 127. Mark Canna is at 125. And Francisco Lindor has having a little bit of a rebound season here. He's at 115. Uh, these are the hitters that will face off against the pitchers that we just named, including Keegan Thompson tonight at Wrigley Field. Danny, what do you see from these hitters? Yeah, they got a pretty deep lineup. And... Uh... I've talked to my friend, Uncle Mike, who's a, uh, a big Mets fan. And he's, he's, he said, this is the kind of team that has been kind of picking each other up, like getting the big hit when they want and when they need it, uh, coming from behind, you know, making things happen when they need to. So they seem to be also like, you know, kind of playing in a magical way. <laughs> you know, they have that, that vibe like the Orioles had, according to my friend, Mike, he's like, you know, they, they pick each other up. Uh, they added Starling Marte and it's made a big difference for them. Um, kind of lengthens that lineup. So yeah, they're, they're, they're tough. Yeah. There's not really a great place to rest and get some easy outs with this Mets lineup. They are definitely going to come at you. Um, the Cubs will counter with some hot hitters of their own and these numbers are quite good. So I don't want people getting too down on the Cubs, but also remember we have this problem where I feel like we, like the Cubs have been unable to drive in runs when they need to most, uh, even though they're doing a pretty good job in terms of creating runs relative to the rest of the league, according to WRC plus. Wilson Contreras is at 141 since the start of June. PJ Higgins is at 132. Ian Happ is at 131. Hey, now you're an all-star. Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki, back from injury and finally qualifying for this list again is at 120. Patrick Wisdom is at 115. And Nico Horner, who has just been about as good of a baseball player as the Cubs could have hoped for when they drafted him, is at 112. What do you see from these Cubs hitters? Yeah, they get, uh, I mean... <laughs> Well, the Orioles series, notwithstanding, um, they, uh, I mean, they just seem to get like their hits in all the wrong order. <laughs> like sometimes they get something going double play, you know, it just it, it, things, balls aren't dropping in. Got a lot of kind of singles hitters here. I'm I'm really looking for say it a pickup is kind of like that 120. It's not really passing the eyeball test to me right now. I think he's a smart hitter. And, uh, I, I just, I kind of want to just see him 
I don't know, hitting for more power and that not necessarily home runs, but like doubles off the wall is kind of what I was or poking them this way or hitting them where they ain't kind of ball. I feel like he's just kind of like getting on only. I don't know. That's yeah. that's the guy I, I, I want to see more of. I mean, I'd like to see some more power too. I'm I'm actually I'm still in the evaluating phase of looking at Seiya Suzuki. I think Absolutely. We have yeah. not seen anywhere near enough information of Seiya Suzuki to know what he is, what he isn't, what he will be once he has more data. I mean, every time I watch Seiya Suzuki at the plate, I see a guy who is literally like processing information, right? Like you see him taking in like, oh, this pitcher does this, this pitcher does that. Like I see him take a lot of pitches that I'm sure frustrate fans sometimes are like, hey, that's down the middle. Why aren't you swinging at it? I think he's gathering data. Like I really do see him just sort of like, okay, now this is how he's going to attack next time. He doesn't often look at three strikes and just not swing at all. He does on occasion, but he doesn't do it often. I think that he's gathering a lot of data right now. So I think the, I think that the book is still out on Seiya Suzuki. I just yeah, pulled up his fan graphs page, you know, across 50 games so far, 194 plate appearances. He's got six home runs. He's slashing 256, 345, 452. You'll take that 345 on base percentage. Absolutely. Every time his WRC plus is 120. His Woba is excellent at 344. So he gets a lot of uh, extra base contact that, boosts that WOBA number. Um, and I striking out 26.8% of the time. That's a little bit high, but he's walking 11.9% of the time. That's pretty good. I think that it'll be fascinating to see if those numbers improve or decline in the second half. I think more what I'm saying is I'm not saying he's not solid and doing a pretty good job. I'm saying I wanted him to go nuts. Like that's what I, I want, like the the bleachers to be rocking and singing say uh, and stuff like I, I want him to go on one of those tears where he's batting like 600, just going off, you know, and get everybody excited. Like I, did, I, I want at least I want him to do it. Kind of saw it from Morel before. I wouldn't mind seeing him do it again. But I just feel like if you could get some kind of spark going, just get somebody that's just doing amazing things that it will be like infectious and you can get on a positive kind of role. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, the way that Sayo was playing when he first came up in April really had the bleachers. I mean, I think everybody was ready to go buy a Sayo jersey. I will go buy a Sayo jersey the next time he's like player of the week or player of the month or something. In all likelihood, the reason I didn't do it in April is because they didn't have the ones that are in kanji. Yeah, and I was like, if I'm going to get a Saya jersey, I'm getting a Saya jersey with his name written the way he would write it. Like, I want the Saya, you know what I mean? I want the, I want the kanji jersey. I want the jersey that is Saya's name as he would write it, as he would say it. The same reason that I want, whenever a Latino player has an accent on his name, I want the accent on the jersey. Like, I want those, I want the name that is your real name. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how it should be. But uh, no, he, 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 I just, I'm looking for bright spots here and, uh, and I really, I, I want him to, to be a big part of the next great Cubs team, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I want people to get excited about him. Like I, I want him to like, you know, one of those tears where for like two weeks, he's just completely unstoppable. Like that's what I'm, I'm looking for all that information. You just said he's processed to like come to some sort of weird fruition where he just goes off. <laughs> like I've, I'm feeling into my bones. Like, I don't know if it'll happen this week or something. Wilson Contreras has fallen off. I think maybe he's feeling the pressure of the trade deadline situation that happened to the, uh, the, the other blue Friday guys last time. But um, 
he just kind of had a bad week and as, as time gets closer and I know his hammy was bothering him a little bit too. So it's like, yeah, we're in still in transition. I mean, it's funny that somebody said, uh, was making fun of Jed. They Hoyer said, you know, Jed keeps saying it's not a rebuild and it's not yet because he's still tearing it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good line. And that's, that's very, very accurate. Um, one last thing I want to talk about before we close this episode out. MLB came out with some interesting new data this morning. We're recording on Thursday morning about StatCast backtracking. And admittedly, this is not a universalized data set yet. There's some there's some holes in this data. It hasn't been gathered from every park. But they're looking at things like bat speed and how, how your fastest swing speed, right? Like the guys who really can put bat to ball in an elite way. Uh, Julio Rodriguez from the Mar- Mariners, their rookie phenom, tops this list with a bat speed of 96.2 miles per hour. But this is a really good list of hitters that you would definitely want to be on, as Mike Petriello says over at MLB, including Luis Robert from the from the White Sox, Giancarlo Stanton from the Yankees. And, and, and down on this list in about, I'm not counting them, but probably about 11th or 12th position, Patrick Wisdom from the Chicago Cubs at 87.2 miles per hour. Um, that tracks for me. I think that we have seen Patrick Wisdom be able to get his bat to baseballs that a lot of guys would not be able to get to. Yeah. He gets around on it. Yeah. He, he, no, I, it, he doesn't surprise me to be there. That's why, uh, it's why he's got the, it's why he's leading the team in home runs. Um, he's actually having a pretty decent year. I mean, a lot of these guys better than last year, I think even when he hit all those, he hit a bunch of dongs last year, but I feel it more this year. And on top of it, he's, He's still striking out a lot, but he's not striking out as much as he did last year, which was like 50% of the time. I think he still might be at 40, but um, I haven't looked in a while, but. um, You know, the last time I looked at Wisdom's K rate, the thing that jumped out at me was that on the monthly splits, and I'm pulling it up again right now to see if it's changed. He had actually been, his K rate had been decreasing every month this season. So let me just double check this super quick before we close out. Today's show, it looks like, uh, yeah, so in March and April, he struck out 37.8% of the time. That is down from last season when he struck out over 40% of the time. In May, he struck out 37.7% of the time. In June, it was down to 28.6% of the time. And that is the Patrick Wisdom that I am very interested in that I want to see more of. He has struggled quite a bit in July. The K percentage is back up to 36.5% of the time. He's only hitting 195 in july and and importantly his iso which is a power number is way down so his power's down and the k rate is up he's in a little bit of a slump but um let's see if he can get that ship righted uh before he, the all-star he, break he leads the major leagues in strikeouts <laughs> still even even the in an improved patrick wisdom he's leading the major leagues in strikeouts you would kind of like to see him with those kind of strikeout numbers and low batting average uh you would kind of like to see few more home runs out of him you would but I also think that you know you're gonna have slumps throughout a season we're what 12 games 10 games 11 games something like that into July so it's not even a full month at this point in time like an 11 game slump is not something I'm gonna panic about I I do think that Patrick Wisdom who only strikes out 28 27, 29% of the time while he's hitting home runs at a rate that a Pete Alonso or a Giancarlo Stanton does is absolutely a player I am interested in. That is a guy that I want on my team for the long term. The question is, can he do that in a sustainable way? 
Yeah, it, it is the question. I mean, and also what what's the future? Uh, you know, what is the, the what is the plan? What is the secretive Jed plan as well, he tears down the team <laughs> continuously? Patrick Wisdom isn't arbitration eligible until 2024. So the plan is that Patrick Wisdom is definitely on the team till on 2024. The team. Yeah, I I would guess he is. Yeah. Um or I mean, why not listen to I mean, he's also going to turn 33 in 2024. You know, so I mean, what's the real plan? I mean, I'm just saying that if you that has value no matter what. So you get maybe more for him in a trade. Hey, I need a big bat. Like my friend Mike was saying, I'm like, what's your, the Mets. I'm like, are you going to add? Do you got the Braves just nipping at your heels here? And he's like, we just need a, another big back of the bullpen arm. And we need another big bat up the middle. And I'm like, so if, if you have a team that's looking for that, and even if it is, and you're maybe willing to give up more for that kind of guy, like a Patrick wisdom. I don't know. I, I don't I, know what kind of, how you value Patrick wisdom. There's the strikeouts are a lot. Well, I think the Cubs value Patrick wisdom because he is very, very cheap uh, in addition to having that power option. So it's, it's one of those guys that you, they would need a heck of a return there. The guy that I actually think the Mets are probably most interested in, on the Cubs roster is Wilson Contreras. They, yeah. they need a catcher. McCann has not been particularly healthy this year. And Wilson Contreras is one of those guys who I think his on base percentage this year is like 380, 384. He has just been on base all the time with a power threat and can play catcher, which, which makes a ton of sense for the Mets. I actually don't hate that one for me. Cause I can cheer for the Mets. I, I can get behind that. The, the, my favorite Wilson Contreras trade targets are, are the Mets and the Padres because then I can buy a jersey and be Padre, a Padres or Mets fan for a while and I don't have to worry about him going to like the stinking Cardinals or the Yankees or something like that. But trade rumors are what we're going to talk about all the time on this show after the All-Star break. Uh, this series will take us into the All-Star break. Danny, where can people find you, your Mets and Cubs takes uh, as we head into this series? Well, uh, follow me at Sunranto on Twitter. S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. And uh, I'll be tweeting. Awesome. You can follow me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can follow the podcast at at Cup of Cubby Blue. We will tweet out the show and the links from the show uh, there. The Mets are coming to Chicago. The Cubs have lost six in a row. Let's see if they can stave off the losing streak uh, and not head into the All-Star break having lost 10 in a row. If they do that, we will hear about it here first on Cup of Cubby Blue. Until next time. Bye.